What a beautiful name it is. Good morning, everyone. It is so great to see you this Resurrection Sunday. Thank you for being with us today. Renew family, we're gonna continue in our series of followers. If you're a family, friend, or visitor, it's so good to have you here as we celebrate a risen Savior. Now, I grew up in church. The pastor would come out. He'd say, he is risen. And the crowd would say, he is risen indeed, right? Okay, so I'm gonna do it three times, give you a shot. Some of you are already ready. But don't let the Phillies get more praise than Jesus, all right? He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. And that's why we're here today. Because we celebrate a risen Savior. We come here today and gather in the Lord's house on this wonderful and beautiful day to make sure his name is lifted high. And we are honored and grateful and in a celebratory mood because Friday he gave his life. On Sunday, he rose again from the grave. And he calls us to follow him. And so let me ask you, Do you think it's possible that you're here today, not just because, look, if you don't come, grandma is gonna be upset, right? Not just because there's some great food and the family function won't go that well if you're not at church. Not just because someone asked you to or or someone's been praying you come or not just because you're excited to be here. All those things are valid reasons. Is it possible? because we serve a sovereign God who is in control of all things, that he wants you either listening or attending today to hear from him, not not from some man, not from some preacher, but to hear from him a call to take your relationship with Jesus to another level. You know, There's a moment in your life where you've got to do business with that name. There's just something about that name. You can worship a lot of things in this world, but you drop that name, things are different. Jesus, can I ask you, are you a fan or are you a follower? Jesus was very intent in making sure people understood that there was a cost, there was sacrifice, there was struggle that would come by following him. And he wanted to make sure those who follow him knew that this was not some fandom thing. For the crowds will come and the crowds will go, that this is something larger than this. He had come to change the world and to bring a message of truth so that mankind could experience salvation through that name. Are you a fan? Are you a follower? How do you know when you're a fan of something? I mean, oh, you, you buy the jersey, right? How many of you, you buy the jersey? You, there's a cost to it, right? You pay the tickets. Oh my word, do you pay the tickets, right? You, you, you sign up, you get in front of your television, you scream and yell and fans, they go up and down, don't they? I mean, the fourth inning of the game, I hate this team, I'll never cheer for them, I do this every time. And then by the ninth inning, I knew it all along, I told you we'd win. That's what a fan does. And a fan suffers for their team. They'll stand up for their team. I mean, my word, try wearing a New York Giants jersey into the, ba- into the link. Good luck. You've made some choices. You've made some decisions. There's gonna be some talk. There's gonna be possible suffering. But you'll stand by your team because you're loyal to it. And we understand what it means to be a fan. But Jesus says, I want you to know that when it comes to following me, oh, it's not just showing up on a Sunday or reading an occasional Bible verse or or posting a verse on your Instagram site. There are times 
when I call you to follow me. In our first message in this three-part Easter series, Jesus said to those would-be followers who said, we'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. He said, ah. foxes have holes. The birds of the air, they have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Will you follow me even if it means sacrificing your comforts, sacrificing your ambitions, sacrificing the future you desire? For at times following me means suffering, sacrifice, surrender. In our second message in our three-part Easter series, we called it the eye of the needle. A rich young ruler, he's young, he's wealthy, he's successful, he has all sorts of possession. And he wants to follow this good teacher. And Jesus says to him, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Is he saying it's wrong to be rich or to be wealthy or this young ruler is doing something wrong? No, he's saying a priority must be taken. That if I've asked you to give up something for me, are you willing to sacrifice? To this young ruler, following Jesus, he asked him to sacrifice his possessions. And the ruler walked away sad. You see, following also comes with a cost. But, but today, Jesus takes it to another level that, that I only think, think the disciples anticipated. He says, I want you to take up your, what church? Cross? Take, take up your cross? If anyone would follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. What did he mean by this? I mean, what could he have possibly meant? Take up your cross? I mean, I come up with a few thoughts in my mind when I hear take up your cross, but this seems to be uh, something beyond maybe my even comprehension. This is certainly not the life of a fan. This would take a true follower to take up their cross. For this could lead down a desert road. This could lead to pain. This could lead to suffering. This could lead from becoming a fan to now becoming a follower. Are you a fan or a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower? Today, we're going to investigate that. We're going to look into what Jesus said it takes to be a follower. And maybe this is your day where Jesus wants to say something to you during our time together that might alter your future forever. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would hear from you. I pray today that everyone gathered here would not be just here because it's a wonderful Lord's day, but would be here because they desire for more. They want to follow Jesus. So I pray, Lord, that you would remove this room from distraction. Lord, I pray that you would focus our hearts on your truth. And Lord, I pray that anyone who's listening to this message would not be distracted by the one speaking it, but hear from the one who speaks through the word of God. And we'll pray these things. Thankful we're gathered here today on this Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever signed up for something you wish you hadn't? Did I just ruin anybody's day by saying that? Any husbands get nudged on that one, right? Where you signed up for something and you thought this was gonna be the greatest thing you've ever signed up for, but you forgot to read the fine print. I'll tell you what, I have made a new habit in my life to literally have a word of prayer before I click on anything, including tickets, 
subscribe. Lord, help me not to walk into a trap here because sometimes I fail to fully understand everything I'm getting into. I've fallen in love with two words, free cancellation. I enjoy those words. They help me. They help me process. I don't know about you, but, but I am so hesitant to sign up for things because once I've committed to something, I'm the type that wants to finish my commitment. And oftentimes we don't know what we're fully signing up for. I remember specifically in high school, oh, I begged my dad, I wanted this car so bad, and, and, I, and I just plead with him, and it was a car, it was, it was like that starter type car for a teenager, right? And I, and I wanted to get it, and, and I plead with him, we had to sign, and, and when you're that age, sometimes dad has this co-sign, and all these different things, and I signed up for uh, Plymouth Turismo. Let me, let me show you an embarrassing picture real quick, it's gonna go by quick here. I signed up, for that, that's proof that I actually had hair. I had a little girl draw me a cross, okay, this morning, and I had a little boy draw me an egg. So that is what I look like now, an egg, I guess. And, and on top of that, when I had that car, I was so excited to have that car, but I had no idea, okay, take the picture down. I had no idea what I was signing up for, for that car ran so poorly. I believe I got a lemon. I'm not here to trash Plymouth Turismos, okay? But, but I did not have a good experience with that car. In fact, part of the problem with that car is the carburetor would continue to putter in the rain. And so the more the rain came, the car ran worse. And sometimes when I turned the car off, it would continue to sound like it was running. Sometimes into the store. Guys, think about trying to keep your swag and stuff and your car keeps running. I mean, we're talking late 80s, early 90s. We had our Tom Cruise glasses on and we would come rolling into stuff. I'd get out of my car and there'd be, there'd be some girls over there and stuff. I'm getting out of my car with my boys and I turn my car off and it's like, like come on, stop. I mean, it was awful. I remember one time literally pulling in the parking lot. I saw a bunch of the girls from our college over there. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay, all right, guys, guys. Oh man, and I literally, I wonder how heaven responds to these prayers. Lord, please don't let this car continue to run. Turn it off. Oh my goodness, I start walking faster. Trying to keep my swagger up. One girl, I think your car's still running. It's not still running. I signed up for something. And thank goodness I got a nice one before I met the love of my life and my wife. But that car drove me crazy. I didn't realize what I was getting into. Jesus doesn't want his kids, his followers to not know what they're signing up for. He gives them the fine print. He tells them what's coming. And it's not always something you would imagine you would say to someone if you wanted them to follow you. You would think you'd paint a pretty rosy picture. Follow me, everything's gonna be great. Follow me, everybody's gonna love you. Follow me, oh my word, people are gonna think a million things of you. It's gonna be wonderful, it's gonna be great to follow me, but that is not what Jesus does. Instead, it's almost as if he does the opposite. And there was one day, oh Jesus, his ministry was getting so big, Thousands and thousands of people were gathering to hear him speak. He dropped the jaws of even the Pharisees who disagreed with him. They gathered around. I mean, after all, this guy could multiply food. Who wouldn't want to hang out with someone who can multiply food? While the crowds were there, Scripture says in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was away praying by himself made a note in my journal. If Jesus, the God of the universe, the God man, needed to make time to daily get away to pray, how on earth do I not always do that? I need to make sure I am having time with my Savior in prayer. But Luke says, while he was praying and the disciples were nearby, he asks them a question. It's as if they're gathered together and he comes over and he says, what, what do these crowds think of me? In fact, the exact phrase of his question is, 
who do the crowds say that I am? Now, now I want you to note something interesting that might not show up in the English translation. The word crowd comes from a root word that can mean uncommitted masses. Fans, if you will. I mean, after all, this guy's big time. Look at the crowds, he must be good. He says, what do the uncommitted crowds, who do they say that I am? And, and the disciples start chairman in. Um, um, I've, I've heard John the Baptist, another disciple might say, um, I heard Elisha or, or Elijah. I think it was Elijah. They, I heard Elijah. And then another child said, oh, I think the, I've heard they think you're one of the prophets of old. Hmm. And then Jesus asks a second question. Do you know what he asks? He looks at them and he says this. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? I, I, I know what the crowd are saying. Who do you say I am? Now, now, there's always one in the crowd that speaks for everybody else. Do you have somebody in your family like that? They speak for your entire family? Well, Peter loves to speak for the disciples all the time. And he jumps in and he says, you're the Christ of God. That's who you are. Now, that's an interesting phrase, and it's very Lucan, because there's four gospel accounts. In other gospel accounts, we hear him called things like the son of the living God. But here, we have Peter saying, you're the Christ of God. Now, Christ would be synonymous with Messiah for the Gentiles, and that is who Luke is writing to, the Gentiles. And so he says that Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah of God. Can I ask you a question if you've visited with us today? If Jesus were to walk up to you and ask you, who do you say that I am? What would your answer be? Uh, not who your mom says, no. Not, not, not who your dad says he is. No, not who your son, not who your grandma if Jesus walked up to you and said, who do you say that I am? What would your answer be? Uh, good prophet. Uh, I, I, I mean, he, he lived a while ago. He spoke a lot, a lot of religious things came out of it. What would your answer be? Because Jesus wants to know. Because you're going to have to have that answer if you're going to be not a fan, but a follower Peter says, you're the Christ of God. And then Jesus leans in and tells him a secret. Do you know what the secret is? This is crazy. This is amazing. Jesus leans in and goes, he strictly charges him. I don't want you to tell anyone this. Now, now, if someone comes up to me and says, hey, man, I want to tell you something. Oh, sure. I might be half listening, fully engaged or not engaged at all. You're not always there, right? But if someone says, hey, Chris, I want you to tell you something, and I don't want you to tell anybody this. Now, as a pastor, I say, be careful when you say that. But have you ever said something? Kids, when mom and dad go, now, do not tell your brother this. They know you're going to tell your brother. Okay. But Jesus strictly charged them, I want no one to know what I'm about to tell you. Okay. See, when someone does that to me, I'm, I'm leaning in. What, 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 what is it? Here, here it is. Here it is. The son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Tell no one. What? This is what I have to do. How many of you have a to-do list? Jesus just gave out, was uh, affectionately called the passion. He gave out his to-do list. Here is your Lord and Savior's to-do list. Here's what I gotta do. I have to suffer, then I have to be rejected, then I have to be crucified, and then I have to be resurrected. And then he drops this on him. Does anyone want to follow me? We're good. We're good. We're good. In fact, he says, if anyone would follow after me, 
If anyone would come after me, I'm on my to-do list. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Um, I, I, I would, but I saw you have to suffer, be rejected. How about I just clap for you? Because Jesus, I think you're awesome. Woohoo! Thank you for dying for me. Let's leave me out of it. I just want to celebrate with the screens. And I mean, I'm good cheering for you. I think it's awesome what you did for me. Um, but you don't want to really ask me to do that. That was your thing, and you did it. And woo, I'm here today to celebrate, and we are going to rejoice in that. What on earth are you doing saying others should follow you? Well, you want to be a follower, right? I mean, you better have answered his question if you're going to follow. Who do you say that I am? Because if I'm just a guy, that to-do list isn't worth it. But if I'm Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and I offer eternal life, you be the fool not to follow me. For I offer everything that no one else can offer. Okay, what does it take? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I, I see within these things, three things. There might be a time in your life where Jesus says, there's gonna be some suffering for following me. There may be a time in your life where Jesus says, there's gonna be some sacrifice. Ministry that costs nothing it was once said, accomplishes nothing. There's gonna be some times in your life where asking you to follow me means you have to surrender what you want and do what I say, even if you're mocked, even if you're rejected, even if you're abandoned. This is the cost of a follower. And I don't want you to miss the fine print. Are you a fan? Are you a follower? If you're a follower, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Now, now, we have a tendency to take passages like this, and just as Pastor John referred to our first sermon in the series, we, we tend to declaw them a little bit. We kind of sometimes try to make them a little bit easier to read. I mean, what does it mean to take up your cross. I mean, what would they have thought? The cross has taken on a lot of different things now. For some, the cross, they think it's more or less a symbol of their jewelry, wearing it around their neck. But do you understand that there's nothing wrong with having a cross around your neck? I'm not saying that. There's nothing wrong with that. But for a Jewish audience listening to Jesus, the cross meant one thing. And for you to have it around your neck would be the equivalent of wearing an electric chair around your neck. This was an execution beam. Men were crucified on crosses. Men bled out and died and suffocated on crosses. The Roman cross was a piece, an instrument, a tool of torture. Jesus says, if anyone will follow me, on my to-do list is to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In America, sometimes we think taking our cross, we like, I, oh, this knee, it's killing me, but it's my cross to bear. No, that is not what Jesus is talking about. Oh, that third child of ours is our cross to bear. No, that is not what Jesus is talking about. Oh, Oh, my cell phone battery dies so fast. It's my cross to bear. Oh, 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 I didn't get the seat. I wanted a church. I wanted a better seat than that. But you know what? It's our cross to bear. Oh, man, the parking spot. Man, we have to wait forever to park. Oh, man, but it's our cross to bear. No, it's none of those things. To take up one's cross, to lift up a cross, to lift up the weight of a cross, to, to get underneath it and to lift this up is to make a choice. It's a surrender that you will take it, 
to death. For the only reason you would take up a cross is that a Roman soldier was forcing you to walk it up a hill. Outside of Jerusalem, one of the hills was called the place of the skull and to die on it. That's what a cross meant to them. And Jesus says, if anyone will follow after me, they have to be willing if it means losing their life. Every week leading up to Easter, I like to do a personal challenge. Last year, I tried to walk through each day, um, specifically of the week leading up to Easter that Jesus is talked about in scripture. Well, this year, I thought since I knew I'd be preaching on this third part of our follower series, that I would just read about stories of martyrs. I thought, what do I know? In America, I mean, we definitely, the pressure's cranking up. Our belief system is definitely being mocked and attacked. Um, you will uh, deal with struggle for choosing to follow after the things of scripture. It is definitely counterintuitive to our culture more and more all the time. All those things are true. But what do I know when I know there are pastors and people throughout our entire globe who may be even imprisoned for following after Jesus Christ. So I thought, what could I do? And I, and I began to read some excerpts from a group that puts out things about martyrs. Have you ever heard of Voice of the Martyrs? Well, I began to read Voice of the Martyrs excerpts. I thought, I'll do that this week. And just listen to some of these accounts of people who have had to even sacrifice their life for following after Jesus. And one stood out to me. It was a book they put out called I Am N. Have you heard of this? I am in. It was a very interesting read, um, and partly because it keeps telling stories about what this end meant. In some of the areas in Iraq and even in Iran, what was happening was that ISIS extremists were going into towns and they were marking homes and businesses and organizations that had Christians in it with an N, which means Nasarah. Its definition would be there's followers of Jesus of Nazareth in there. And getting that mark on your place of business would mean you would lose your possessions, you must leave or be killed, and you must renounce your faith in Jesus, the Nazarene. It was an exclusion from peace and safety. It was terrifying. And if you think it was happening in the 1800s, these are accounts from as recent as 2014. That this is going on in the world while we sit in these chairs. Breaks your heart. But I read accounts of those who were truly denying themselves and having to flee. Millions have fled, it said, since 2003 for their safety who are followers of Jesus. They have truly said, if it means losing my lifestyle, if it means losing my ambition, if it means losing my comfort and safety, I'm willing to be identified as a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, deny yourself and take up your cross. In that same book, I read an account of a man named Farid who led a Bible study in his home. He tried to do it in secret as much as possible for when you lived within some of the red zones, the militias could come at any moment. They tell of the account of them being gathered, this group of guys gathered upstairs in a room, praying quietly, Jesus, thank you for being with us today as we open your word. As he opened the book of Acts, this book, it tells me the story that there was pounding at the door and then boom, the door blew open. And before you knew it, they were surrounded with militia with AK-47 stuck at their heads and knives at their throats. Fareed tells the story how he felt. God was just leading him to walk out. I'm going, I can't believe I'm reading this. 
And he got up and he started walking and they yelled out, sit down, you dog. And he heard click from the AK-47 and it didn't go off. Click again, he said it didn't go off. He tells the story that second click distracted him. He ran for the stairs as well as his friends in the study. And as they got towards the bottom of the stairs, they could hear the gunfire coming, pouring down the steps. And they escaped to their safety only to find out the plan of that militia was to behead them all on television to terrify anyone else who would be followers of Jesus the Nazarene. Deny yourself take up your cross and follow me. Her name was Shanaz. Her story particularly bothered me because it occurred between her and her father. She had come to know Jesus of scripture. She gave her life to him and this enraged her father. For the public backlash on their family, the embarrassment and shame for what she is doing was wreaking havoc and years of anger were building up into her father until one day when she said, Father, please, I'm a child, a passionate follower of Jesus. He took his belt out and he hit his daughter and she fell to the ground. He began to continue to beat her. And as he was hitting her, her mother was watching and she tells the story that my father yelled, do you realize I can kill you and it would be legal for what you're doing? As she continued to strike him and as she continued to get lower and lower, all of a sudden he stopped. She looked up and her father began to hit himself. Hit striking himself. He said, I'm such a bad man. I'm such a bad man. I'm such a bad man. And she said, all the rage came out of his voice. And he said, I realize now I'm not fighting my daughter. I'm fighting God. For he remarked seeing Jesus while he was hitting her, holding her saying, stop, she's my daughter. He goes on to tell his testimony in this book that he gave his life to Christ and hosted a study in his house, his name Abid. If anyone wants to follow me, if I ask you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me, are you willing to do it? I think about the suffering and hurting and the pain throughout the world for those who have taken a stand for Jesus. And I want to encourage a church that just by us spending a few moments bringing a few of those stories to light, do you know you fulfilled something we're called to do in scripture? Scripture says this in the book of Hebrews. Do you know this verse? Continue to remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your bodies. We are called to care about this and to pray about this. If you would, would you take a moment, child of God, to just offer up a prayer for someone who might even be suffering right now in a country far different than the one we live in? You might say as you're gathered here today, Chris, could you have come up with a little bit more of an encouraging message for Easter? You might be thinking, is it worth it? I mean, I don't want to be losing friends or relationships. I don't want to lose my job. I mean, I can't be like standing up for Jesus and having all this stuff. I mean, my friends, I've never even shared my testimony in like three years. I mean, I got to keep this on the down low. I mean, it's a scary world out there. I mean, you might be going through all those kind of emotions. I mean, can't we just be kind of Christians and fit right in and nobody knows? I mean, and you're seeing that that's not working out so well as we move along in society's history. The things of scripture are becoming more and more distasted. And all of a sudden, we're starting to have to make decisions, even in this homeland. Am I going to be a fan or am I going to be a follower? And you might ask yourself, I don't know. It, it, it just, I mean, is, is it worth it? Well, it all depends on how you answer that question. 
that Jesus asks you. Who do you say that I am? If I'm just a guy, no, it's not. If I didn't rise again from the grave, no, it's not. But if I did, if I did, then anything you do for me will be far with worth it. And that's exactly when Jesus comes to his disciples now and it says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. You see, Jesus has different equations than this world. He says, you wanna, you wanna lose something for me? It actually equals gain. Do you live in a profit and loss mentality? Any accountants out there, any businessmen? I mean, we got profit and we got loss. Jesus says, you wanna know what's profit? What? Lose something for me. That is big time profit. Did you know Jesus doubles down on that? In the book of Mark, he says, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left his house or brothers or sisters or mother or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution that needs to come and eternal life. I will reward tremendously for anything you go through, for anything you lose, for anything you suffer, for being a follower of me. For what does it profit a man, Jesus says? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. Some of you know this verse. You know it by a phrase. I don't want to gain the whole world, Christians often cry, and lose my soul. There's the material part of me, my body. And there's the immaterial, the soul. And so we understand, spiritually speaking, I'm gonna live forever if I'm a child of God. I'm gonna live forever if I've called on the name of the Lord to be my savior. I'm gonna live forever in a heavenly place with a heavenly body, scripture tells me. And anything that I give up or sacrifice or suffer for for my Jesus now in this life, I'm gonna be heavily rewarded for in the life to come. And that doesn't speak sometimes because we live in the now, right? And we are so temporal in our thinking. But imagine if you could, a spiral that we'll call the timeline of all eternity. Imagine the spiral. And it just spirals and spirals and goes on and on and on and on and on and on. In a spiral that size. Do you know how much our time on earth would make up of that timeline? I'm gonna guess like maybe right about, about this much, maybe a fingernail. The rest is all of your life in eternity if you're a child of God. And we're gonna waste all of our energy on a fingernail. Don't waste your life. We get one go. There's a very, very, very holistic stat out there. It says this, 10 out of 10 people die. And some of us don't realize how close we are to that. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. You get one go. Are you gonna go off of what people say? Or are you gonna go off what the word of God says? Are you gonna spend your entire fingernail for position and wealth and possessions when you're gonna spend eternity reaping the reward for anything you may have sacrificed on this earth now? You might say, but, 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 but during my fingernail, I was really cool, I had big business. Good for you, heaven might say. I, I, was, I was well known. Great. I had a lot of great possessions. Good. Those are all fine. But are you in the business of trying to gain the whole world and lose your soul? 
waste your fingernail. Jesus has promised to the child of God, to those who have called upon the name of the Lord, that anything you suffer, anything you sacrifice, anything you go through on this earth, for my name's sake, I'm going to reward you for it. Delayed gratification at times, but also incredible blessing in the now. You say, I want to follow him. I mean, it's Easter Sunday. I want to say church. I want to say, I, I want to follow him. I don't want to just say I'm a Christian. I want to know I'm following after my Jesus. I want to live the life he's called me to live. But I, I got to be honest with you. I'm struggling with his to-do list. He, he said, he said um, we have to suffer. He said, we have to be rejected. I mean, we have to suffer. I mean, we have to maybe give up some comforts. I mean, we have to be rejected. There's going to be some people who reject us for this. I mean, we have to be crucified. I mean, is that even possible? I mean, we're not crucifying anybody anymore. I mean, how on earth can I be crucified? I don't, I don't think we were crucifying anymore. I mean, and we get to be re resurrected. I mean, we have to suffer. We have to be rejected. We have to be crucified. We have to be resurrected. No, you don't have to. Renew Bible Church. You don't have to. This is Easter Sunday, amen? You don't have to. Child of God following Jesus is not a have to. This isn't a have to. This is a get to. This is a get to. What? Are you out of your mind? This is a get to. Scripture tells me we Get to suffer. Dear friends, Peter says, who was martyred for Jesus Christ, Peter says, dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange were happening to you. I stand up for Jesus and everybody hates me. Peter says, don't be surprised by that. Really? Yeah, yeah. Instead, he says, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering. You become a partner in his life. You're a follower so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. He continues, if you are insulted because you bear the name of Jesus Christ, you'll be blessed for the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. If you've experienced some pushback, some rejection, some suffering because of Jesus Christ. Peter says, you get to partake. You're being a follower. He continues, we don't get to suffer. We get to be rejected. I mean, we get to be rejected. John, John, Jesus' disciple, John, who ended up on the island of Patmos, he said this, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. When you're rejected, it's one of those signs that you show, hey, I'm sorry, I don't want to be this way, but I have to stand on this truth. And sometimes it is rejection that it leads to. We get to be crucified? Galatians 2.20, the apostle Paul talks about what happens spiritually speaking to us when we come to know Christ as our savior. He says, you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, Paul says, but Christ who lives in me. It's as if we're partakers in his crucifixion so that ourself is, our, 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 we're crucified so that we can rise again and experience a new creation in Jesus Christ. And that's why scripture says we get to be resurrected. Romans 6, 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too may walk in newness of life. We don't have to suffer. We don't have to be rejected. We don't have to be crucified. We don't have to be resurrected. We get to. Now, please understand, child of God, that does not give you permission to be cruel. We live in a society now where believers have bought in on putting things on Twitter and being angry and yelling. That is not what God's ever called us to be. We are to be respectful and gentle in our approach so that people might see the hope that is within us. The only time we're called to fight is to fight on our knees. We are to stand for the truth. 
And may it never be because of the way we approach something that someone is turned off from Jesus. For most people who want nothing to do with Jesus, you know their number one reason? Because of how another believer behaved around them. That's why, or what happened to them in a church or something like that. And I can't sit up here and tell you why those things happen outside the fact that nobody in this room is perfect and nobody you encounter that calls themselves a Christian is perfect. I know I'm not, nor claim to be. But it's not about what I say. It's about how you answer the question that Jesus has for you this morning. You might say, I want to be a follower. I really do. Peter said, when Jesus said, where are you going? He said, we don't go anywhere. You have the words of life. We want to follow you. Well, then sign here. And it's as if we get the pen out and the paper's put before us. And as we're going to sign, hey, wait, 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 before you sign that, foxes have holes and birds are in the nest. But the son of man has no place to lay his head. You might be signing up for times of suffering. Wait, 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 wait before you sign. Some frying pyramid here. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I may call you to give up possessions for me. Before you sign that, I may call you to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. I want to be a follower. I want to take my relationship with Jesus to the next level. Well, then you have to answer his question. Who do you say I am? Because taking up your cross isn't the only path. There's more to it. Many men took up their cross and carried it up the place of the skull and died. Many men died on a Roman cross. There was nothing special about the cross. It was who was on that cross that made it special. There were two other men that took up a cross and went up Galgotha's hill. One beside Jesus continued to revile him even as he was bleeding to death. He said, you call yourself the Christ. Get us off these crosses. The other told the other thief, do you not fear God? We're under the same condemnation. And he turned to Jesus and he said, Remember me, remember me when you go to your kingdom. And Jesus didn't read, well, first, I want to tell you foxes have holes. He didn't, he didn't say, well, so please don't make these followers this like to-do list. Don't ever add to the gospel. Jesus turned to that thief and he said, today, today, as Jesus is bleeding out on the cross for all our sins. Why? Why? The law was so clear. Adam and Eve brought sin into this world and sin was brought in by one man. And just as sin was entered by one man, one man's gonna be on the cross to pay for that sin. For the wages of sin, how much does sin cost? What are the wages? The wages of sin is death. For the law is clear, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness for anyone in this room or in the people to come or the people past. There must be blood shed and it can't be anyone's blood. It needs to be perfect blood. It needs to be the God man. And my savior stretched his arms out and while he was dying, turns to that thief and says, today you'll be with me in Paris. You talk about a last second conversion. I wonder if he got to heaven. It's like, boom. Somebody might ask him, what are you doing here? I, I, I don't, I, um, 
um, the guy in the middle, um, uh, Jesus, he said I could come. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, will be saved. He asks you today. He may have orchestrated providentially you to listen or be here today for him to ask you the question that you have to answer in this temporal time period. Who do you, who do you, teenager, sixth grader, senior saint, businessman, mom, CEO, who do you say that I am? Because at the end of the day, that is the only answer that's truly gonna matter. We finished our Good Friday service with the powerful rendition of praise the name. We wish to do that today. Would you prepare your hearts to worship him with a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Lord, I pray that today would be a day where someone in here would even desire to repent, to turn from their sin and to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. What a wonderful way to celebrate Easter. And Lord, in your great wisdom and plan, did you have someone here today who needed to answer that question? We serve a risen savior. He is alive and we praise his name. And we walk in that victory and we claim boldly that we are followers of Jesus Christ, not because of anything we've done and not because of anything we deserve. It is by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Thank you for your offer of salvation. May we call upon your name. And for those who have, May they take their spiritual life to the next level and follow, even if it means some suffering or some sacrifice or even surrender. We give our lives to you, the one who surrendered all for us. Oh, praise the name of Jesus.